Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano. We got some stuff we could talk about today because the Eagles decided on Friday to go ahead and make another free agent signing. And it it was a very important one um, at a very important position. It was probably the weakest position we still had left on our roster if you looked at starting quality players. Um, Not sure this guy's going to even be necessarily an instant starter, but they signed Jaquiski Tart. Um, he is from the San Francisco 49ers, and I know everybody instantly just points out Tart. He's the guy who dropped, you know, the, the, the gimme interception in the NFC Championship game that kind of sealed, uh, w- which may have sealed the game for the San Francisco 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. Regardless of that, he's a very good player. Uh, he's, he comes in, he's going to be able to battle now with, in my opinion, Anthony Harris. I do not think he's battling with Marcus Epps. In my opinion, Marcus Epps is the best safety on this team, but it He's 29 years old. It's just another person here that has experience, that knows how to play football, that has started in the NFL for a considerable amount of time. I, I just love this guy uh, move because this shows you where the Eagles actually believe they are, right? If the Eagles didn't actually, inside their own building, believe, hey, we can do something this year, why not just then let Kayvon Wallace, right? Andre Shashere, maybe uh, Jared Maiden, whoever, come up and have a chance to play safety if you need them to, right? But that's not how they feel. They have built a Super Bowl contending roster this season, and this is a move you make just in case, you know what I mean? And that's why I'm not ruling out that they go and sign another corner. Look at some of the corners still out there. Joe Hayden, A.J. Bouye. You know what I mean? Chris Harris. There's guys out there. I think they're going to sign a, a corner before the season starts and just say, you know what? This is our team. We're set to win. We're not going to leave, you know, injury, like one key injury just take us out because at corner, that's probably the only position left with the exception of maybe Dallas Goddard. But I mean, at tight end, it is what it is. But I mean, they are telling you that they feel that this team can go ahead and win the Super Bowl. Tarts, a, he's an incredible signing. For this late in the season, to get this guy in June, this is a big-time move because he absolutely is a starting-quality player. My guess is he should start. We're going to see what happens, though. It's going to be him, Anthony Harris, or Marcus Epps. And I again, now to be fair, I will be extremely disappointed if Marcus Epps isn't, isn't the starter. But I'm not ruling out that Marcus Epps... Um, is out because I'm sure a lot of people think that Marcus Epps comes in here and loses his job to Tart and it's Harris and Tart and I don't believe that. Uh, again, the Anthony Harris thing. We have to remember this. They did choose Anthony Harris over Rodney McLeod. Right or wrong, they chose Anthony Harris over Rodney McLeod. So it tells you that they do feel something about Anthony Harris. But three is better than two. That's for sure. And now it's not like, oh, gosh, man, Anthony Harris got hurt. We're kind of screwed at safety. Or Marcus Epps got hurt. We're kind of screwed at safety. You know, we have options now. You got, you're only as good as the guy who's uh, behind your starter. You know what? That's the truth. That's why I'm, again, at corner with Bradbury, Slay, and Maddox. Yeah, if they're healthy, we're really good. Something happens, though, Zach McPherson's a complete unknown. You know what I mean? Anybody else, they got a corner there. It's a complete unknown. That's why I'm not ruling out that they bring in a veteran here, at least somebody at the end of training or before training camp, just to even compete. I think that is something we got to keep a strong, you know, 
we, we just have to be looking out for it because that, to me, is the next move this team might make. I don't think it's going to be at running back. I think it's going to be legitimately here at corner. Now, thing that kind of made news this week that I didn't want to talk about. And, and again, it's one of those stupid, stupid opinion things that comes out is Mount Rushmore's, right? Well, that geek, Elliot Shore Parks, was at it again. And I call him a geek because th- th- this list is just all-time geekdom in terms of a uh, uh, top four most important people in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, I get it. Guy's in his early 30s, like myself. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we're not... Unfortunately, I was not, you know, privy to being able to watch, you know, the Chuck Bednarics play football. So that's fair. And, and, and I'm not sitting here saying to anybody who says, you don't say those guys, then you don't know that... That's not true. But again, you could also study. And, and at least into the 80s, you know what I mean? Like from the 80s forward, you should be able and you could go back. You could actually look into how players play. That's what I've done. I mean, at the very least. His Mount Rushmore, let's just dive into it. Right? Elliot Shore Parks. So his Mount Rushmore, and I want to pull it up because, again, I, I do remember it, but I just want to make sure I'm not missing anything here. So, uh. It, it, it's funny. So his Mount Rushmore was Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb, Brian Dawkins, and Howie Roseman. Yeah. Howie Roseman is not in any type of Mount Rushmore. I understand he was the GM of a Super Bowl team. No GM would ever make a Mount Rushmore for me. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying a GM isn't a crucial part. Obviously, it's a very important part. He builds the roster. But, you know, Joe Banner took us, built rosters that went to four consecutive NFC Championship games. Five in an eight-year period. You know what I mean? Like, think about that. We went to a Super Bowl with Joe Banner. Joe Banner wins one Super Bowl. Clearly, his legacy is far superior than Howie Roseman's. That's without question. But he's not on there because, you know, Nick Foles put it on his back in the Super Bowl. And we, you know, he outdueled arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time to win our Super Bowl. That's not how this works. You know what I mean? So Howie Roseman, I, I listen, I'm, I'm thrilled that Howie Roseman, you know, built us a Super Bowl team, but Howie Roseman is not, and I quote, is not in that Mount Rushmore. And I wouldn't put anybody in the front office on there because I think it's just disrespectful to the players because they are the ones who actually do this. The coaches, they are the ones working hard to make sure this works on the field. Mount Rushmore but we're besides the point. Let's get off of the, the Howie Roseman part. Reggie White is the greatest defensive football player of all time. He is the top guy. He is the number one overall defensive player, in my opinion, in NFL history. And to not have him on any type of top list for the Philadelphia Eagles shows your ignorance and your disrespect. That's it. That's all it is. It's ignorant and it's disrespectful. That's without, there's no other way to spin it. It's ignorant and it's disrespectful. It's horrible. That is horrible. And to me, it's like he works for WIP. And I get it. This list is is done to hopefully generate some type of response. You know what I mean? But you're there's no if, and, or but about it. You cannot make any list involving bests of the Eagles. And you could say, oh, well, they didn't win a Super Bowl. That doesn't mean squat to me. Reggie White was part of defenses, the leader of defenses for the Eagles that were the top defenses in the NFL. Hence why Buddy Ryan has such a, you know, 
an enduring relationship in Philadelphia because we had the best defenses in the entire league. It's not his fault the offenses failed and did not win Super Bowls. He played defense. And he played defense at the best level anybody's ever played defense. Reggie White is absolutely without any question or doubt in any type of Rushmore, top, whatever stupid list you want to come up with. He is a Philadelphia Eagle. He is the ultimate Philadelphia Eagle. You want Brian Dawkins on there? You want Donovan McNabb? Absolutely. I have no problem with those two guys on there. They were part of the greatest longevity of winning in the team's history, without question. And if you want Andy Reid, yes, absolutely. Andy Reid is the most winning coach and the most successful coach the Eagles have ever had. I have no problem with that either. I mean, again, that's fine, but Reggie White is number one on this list. And if you want to put Chuck Bednarik, we won NFL championships before there were Super Bowls. He was the guy who was doing it. So it's like, yeah, you could go back and you could recognize the history here. In my opinion, when you do these Mount Rushmore things, the best way to do it is to go try to get every era. You know what I mean? Every era of the team, if possible. And you go and you get the most important person from every era. As long as that era had some type of success and each era for the Eagles did have success. If you wanted to do the Bednarik era, of course him, right? Reggie's era, that's great. You know, if you, and then Brian Dawkins, to me, would be, or Donovan or Andy, whatever, which one you want to go, that's fine too. And then for the Super Bowl team, I mean, really, you could be, you're not wrong if you pick Nick Foles. He was the quarterback of the Super Bowl winning team. Jason Kelsey. You know, you want to put a Super Bowl champ, Malcolm. Like, there's guys that you can think of that were key, crucial parts in us winning a Super Bowl. You know, Lane Johnson. You know, Zach Ertz, whatever. I, again, that's fine if you're going era by era by era by era. But I saw that. And I just wanted to comment on it because it, it just to me was one of the most dumb, dumb, dumb lists I have ever, ever seen. To, to disrespect the greatest defensive player, arguably one of the greatest, maybe the greatest football player of all time, just unacceptable, especially in Philadelphia. You know, if you're going to cover the Eagles, at least have it with some type of clout. Because that was ridiculous. When I saw that, I'm thinking, that is absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. But before we go into the top 10s, we're going to do top 10 line, offensive line, and top 10 tight ends. I do just want to talk about this because it did come up this week. The Eagles, and I already did a show on if the Eagles were a Super Bowl team, and in my opinion, they are. But there's not like a Super Bowl buzz around the Eagles. You know what I mean? And I get it, because people question the quarterback, and they question the coach, and that's fair. You want to question the coach? Absolutely. Sirianni, no doubt, has question marks on him. I think people are making too much of a big deal over him not calling plays. I get it. You you want him to be the play caller. He was smart enough to recognize he didn't do it, or wasn't doing it well enough, and he passed that responsibility off. I have no problem with that. He still plays a massive part in the offense because he's a play designer. There's a difference between designing plays and calling plays. And some guys are better at calling plays. Some people are better at designing plays. And it's understanding your strengths. But Sirianni, is he a massive question mark as a coach still? Yeah, absolutely is. Second year. Doug Peterson, I I know the similarities. We keep going to the 2017. If that recipe worked, trust me, it'd be fantastic. And I hope it does. But don't think that I'm sitting here going, oh, well, this worked in that year. That means it's going to work this year because that's just not how things go. But I will say that Sirianni is a big question mark, sure. I would probably say to you Jalen Hurts to me is less of a question mark because I think Jalen Hurts, we saw him at his floor. I know something, one thing about Jalen Hurts. 
every single time Jalen Hurts steps on a field, he's better than he was the game before. His numbers may not show it. His numbers may not indicate that. You know, like in my opinion, in that playoff game, like I said, he was hurt. He won't excuse, like, he won't say that. He won't ever come up with an excuse for it, but I believe he was really hurt. But is Jalen Hurts going to be good enough to win a Super Bowl? That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, he had a game in the playoffs, and hurt it or not, it was it was extremely under, underwhelming. That goes without question. But, I mean, that just one game. I mean, you don't write the book on somebody because of one game. Think about this. Jalen Hurts in his first season took more snaps in a playoff game than Carson Wentz did in five years for the Eagles. And I get it. We played a soft schedule, whatever you want to say, whatever excuse you want to come up with. But Jalen Hurts started a playoff game and finished said game. And now we've put all the pieces around him. And again, if they stay healthy, that's another important part here. you got to stay healthy. But I don't understand why people are afraid to get on the train. This is a Super Bowl roster. Jaquiski Tart getting signed him, signing him this late in the game. That shows you that the, the front office and the team believe this is a Super Bowl roster. Getting A.J. Brown, Jordan Davis, you know what I mean? N'Kobe Dean. James Bradbury. Like I said, Jaquiski Tart. Hassan Reddick. All these moves. It's because the Eagles believe this could be a Super Bowl team. They've had a great offseason. Is it perfect? By no means. But I mean, they've had an incredible offseason. Much better than I even expected. So yes, don't be afraid to believe. Listen, the Eagles can win the Super Bowl. Without question. And if you believe like I do that Jalen Hurts is going to be much better this year than he was last year, then guess what? I got big news for you. The Eagles can absolutely win the Super Bowl this season. I absolutely believe it. Now I'm going to pause here for a brief moment. Because I have a word from Anchor. But then I'm going to go over the top 10 tight ends and the top five offensive lines in the NFL. So let's start with top 10 tight ends. Who are the 10 best tight ends in the NFL? Um, 10th for me, I went with Pat Fryermuth from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like Fryermuth. I think Fryermuth's going to be a really good football player. I thought he showed some brief glimpses last season. I think he's only going to improve. He's a very good blocker. I like Fryermuth. Ninth, I went with Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys. Massive year. I mean, really, he was he had an outstanding season. Dalton Schultz, ninth, eighth, Mike Kosicki from the Dolphins. Kosicki, like there's two Penn State tight ends, or Penn State tight ends, by the way, right there, Fryermuth and uh, Kosicki. But Kosicki is like a vertical threat. Like he's just a very athletic tight end. I think he's extremely underrated, and this year more so than ever, ever, he should be able to explode with the speed that they have at that wide receiver position. Like you can't cover everybody in the NFL, and he should have a lot of advantageous matchups. So seventh, this is where I thought it started getting interesting. I went with TJ Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson is a beast for uh, for Detroit. I don't think that offense was catered to him at all really last year, but I like TJ Hawkinson, man. He is really good. Uh, six, this might be controversial, but I put Darren Waller six, strictly because Darren Waller got hurt last year. That's it. Darren Waller could be top three. He's really, really good. They were talking about possibly trading him. I guess they're not now, but I have Darren Waller six. And then fifth, I put Dallas Goddard. Again, I say it every season. I'm going to continue to say it. Dallas Goddard has best tight end in the NFL potential. 
It's just a matter if Dallas Goddard is going to finally live up to said potential. I'm betting that Dallas Goddard does. I think this is going to be a massive year for Dallas Goddard. And again, it's also contingent on him staying healthy. Fourth, Kyle Pitts. Fourth overall pick last year, fourth tight end in the NFL. He had 1,000 yards. I mean, really, that Falcons team was a completely unmitigated disaster, and he still went for 1,000 yards. Kyle Pitts is real good. He is absolutely as advertised. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Three, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is like that guy that you, you just drifted off in the draft there at Oklahoma. I think it was a fourth-round pick. You know, he was the, he was there with um, Murray, I believe it was his quarterback. And Mark Andrews has just, just been successful. Baker Mayfield, I mean, this guy's just been a winner. He's just been a winner. Makes plays, you know what I mean? He was drafted, I think, the second tight end in their draft. And I believe they took uh, Hurst number one, or in the first or second round, and then they took... Andrews, like, in the fourth round to fill it out, and it ended up being that Mark Andrews was that guy. Three, or three. Two, George Kittle. Another guy, just stay healthy. Kittle's the best overall tight end in the league. He's an unbelievable run blocker. He's an unbelievable even pass blocker if he has to be, and he's unbelievable with the ball in his hands. His problem is just staying healthy. And number one, still Travis Kelsey. Until you take that title from him, Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in football. Now, Top five offensive lines. You can do linemen, but I just said, how about this? It's a it's a unit. Let's go. Who are the top five offensive lines, in my opinion? Five, I have the Bucks. We saw it firsthand last year in that playoff game. The Bucks offensive line, to me, is still really good. Fourth, I have the Chargers. I think the Chargers have built them a really good offensive line. Slater, obviously, coming in last year, helping solidify that as uh, the tackle there. I mean, he, he's a really, really good player. Lindsey, the center from Green Bay, they got him. They have a really good offensive line. Third, the Chiefs. And it's funny the Chiefs are third because it's like we still remember the Super Bowl there with Tampa Bay where their tackles, like, they were all beat up. So Patrick Mahomes got beat up. And then they made it a point, we're going to fix this. Creed Humphrey, you know, Smith, the guard they picked, both stud players from that draft. Now they're interior guys, but they've. But I'm just saying the point is the Chiefs made it a point that they're like, we're never going to lose a game strictly because our offensive line just simply can't block. And they've corrected that. Now, two, I have Cleveland. You could put Indy here too, by the way, in this top five. Dallas still, obviously. Again, this is just, this is all based on, you know, people staying healthy, projections, little guests. But I have Cleveland too. And then number one, clearly, I think the Eagles. I don't even think it's close. I think the Eagles are the best offensive line in football. Mylotta, Dickerson, Kelsey, Ciamalo or Driscoll, Johnson. And then as your backup lineman, Ciamalo or Driscoll, right? Um, Jack Anderson, Cam Jurgens, you know? Andre Dillard, it's just, it's a who's who of guys there. They have ultimate versatility. You know, Suo Pettit is like a question to make this team. He, he's definitely going to be on an NFL roster this year if it's not the Eagles. So, like, he's a guy to watch where, you know, last year when they traded, or two years ago when they traded Matt Pryor, watch for something like that with a guy like Suo Pettit this year because the uh, team's got to be looking at the NFL, or the Eagles and going, man, if we need a little bit of you know, offensive line help. That's the team to go to. Look at Nate Herbig isn't here anymore because the Eagles offensive line was just too stacked. But their backup line could start in the NFL. Like a lot of guys, I really like Jack Anderson. And I think they do too. And I think he's going to be a steal. They got him from Buffalo last year as a waiver claim. And I think he's going to be a really, really good piece coming here for it. I think he's like their new Nate Herbig in their opinion. Like the versatile interior alignment that they could plug and play. Those are the lists. We will be back next week, obviously. 
talking about defense now. And we're going to go over the entire defense. You know what I mean? I still want to address holes like on the roster or whatnot. Like I talked about camp battles, by the way, last week. I didn't talk more. I should have talked more about, you know, Jalen Rager and what his role is going to be here because, like, I'm telling you, I heard unbelievable things about Britton Kobe, who, by the way, if you've listened to this show since the draft, I've been telling everybody about Britton Kobe. He's my favorite guy that they got outside of, you know, N'Kobe Dean and, you know, the, the, like, I love Britton Kobe. He's a dynamic kick returner. I think he could play offense in the NFL. He's just so twitchy, it's unbelievable. So it's like, are they going to keep five receivers or six? That's going to be an awesome thing to watch in the preseason. It really is. The battle for the end of the roster wide receivers. Because you got to be able to play specials if you're going to be on the team at that point. So that's just a heads up. But we'll go over the defense next week, who the projected starters are, what they're kind of looking at. This 3-4, 5-2, 4-3, whatever they're going to be defense. Lots of cool things to talk about with this team still. And we'll do the top 10 defensive ends and the top 10 defensive tackles. So I want everybody out there to... Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay educated. And as always, go Eagles go.